0: welcome to another episode of the hoop talk podcast by fans for fans i'm ryan there's my guy jalen what's up everybody this podcast is where we discuss all things basketball so expect a lot of hot takes debates and a true display of basketball knowledge let's get right into it our topic today is our race for national player of the year so Jalen and I are going to look at nine different players today, and we're going to talk about their chances of becoming the national player of the year. And then at the end of the episode, we'll list off our top four. Looking first at the battle between Luca Garza and Ayo in the Big Ten. Jalen, do you choose Luca Garza or Ayo So
1: I'm biased, dude. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to keep it a full bean. I am... Io all day, twice on Sundays, bro. Like, this guy is a hooper, man. Like, it is, it is crazy how this guy is balling out. And he's doing it on both sides of the court right now, too. This is a guy this year that's averaging 22 points, 6.8 rebounds, 5.1 assists. He's shooting 51% from the floor. a a career high 42.5% from three and 81.5% from the free throw line. Like this is a guy who is balling. I mean, straight up balling. And something else that I think is really interesting to touch on is specifically what happened against Northwestern the other day. So this was a team that started out,, um, relatively slow. This is a team that in the first half only had 28 points to start the night off. They were losing 43 to 28 in the first half of this game. They went on in the second half, led by my man's Ayadesizumu, to score 53 points in the second half, win the game and most importantly, hold Northwestern to two of 24 shooting from the field in the second half. Two of 24. I don't know about you guys, but if you only hit two shots in 20 minutes, you're just running cardio out there at this rate. Like, golly, they basic Illinois had this team basically just running up and down the court to occupy time. And Ayudusumu's his, his tenacity as a defensive player on ball and as a, te- as a team defender just makes him an overall dangerous player at the guard spot. He gets the rock a lot. He's a junior leader for this team, obviously, and he's got them in a really good position to be one of the most dangerous teams in the Big Ten. So I have Ayudusumu as my guy, who I think is more than likely going to be a part of this discussion, more than a guy like Luca Garza. I think I would assume is the better player.
0: I have to disagree, and I have to take Luca Garza. Luca Garza is averaging 27 points and close to nine rebounds a game this season. He is a phenomenal shooter, and he's averaging close to 62% shooting from the field and 49% from three. Jalen, the main issue we talked about last time when we were mentioning our top five college players was that is Luca Garza going to be able to show up for the big games and if so how since North Carolina he's played three ranked teams or Iowa has played three has played three ranked teams number one Gonzaga number 19 Northwestern and number 14 Rutgers Against number one Gonzaga, which was the first loss of the season for Iowa, Garza put up 30 and 10 against the number one team in the country, along with three blocks, and he shot 72% from the field. Against the number one team in the country, with three National Player of the Year candidates, which which we are going to talk about later, against Northwestern. Garza puts up 18 points, six rebounds, and a block on 43 percent shooting from the field against number 14 Rutgers. 25 points, four rebounds, two blocks, and he shot 82 percent from the field. And he and he also put up 32 points and 17 rebounds, a block, and two steals against Minnesota in the team's second loss. I don't think we should have any more concerns about. Luca Garza showing up for big games because I think this is a sample size that has proven to me that he's answered the question of whether or not he can step up in big games
1: yeah I definitely think that don't get me wrong I I'm 100% certain that my bias floats somewhere in this because as you listed out there's definitely significant Wins and just significant games in there overall that I think are just going to be a little bit more impressive down the line when we're looking at overall body of work. Obviously, in the three games that I played against ranked competition, lost by four um, or lost by three to Rutgers, um, the loss to Missouri is going to hurt. There, are, there is the win over Duke that was, uh, that's ranked 10th right now, and that was a big win, 83 to 68. And obviously the, the loss to Baylor in the ACC Big Ten Championship or, or Champions Classic or Challenge is uh, going to be kind of significant. So, I mean, the three losses, like I said, Rutgers, Mizzou, and Baylor, that hurts. I think that Duke win softens the blow a bit. I'll say that the fact that they've performed significantly well in Big 10 competition, they've little their only loss in Big 10 Big 10 competition was the Rutgers game. Um otherwise they've won um four in a row and have won relatively handily in all of those games. Um I just think that IO has a different effect on his team. I think that the overall the over if we're talking about Player of the Year, I think we're talking about impact on his team. I think that Luca Garza has a better team around him, especially with the kind of three-point shooting that he's had this year, um, because Iowa was one of the top teams in the country from that from that area offensively or one of the better teams I'll say from that area offensively. I think that IO is asked to do more and he's asked to do it in the flow of also trying to make those other said people better. You know what I mean? Guys like Adam Miller, who's kind of struggled over the course of time. Kofi Coburn is a guy who's slowly kind of getting back into the rift of things. Luca Garza is in a position where he gets all of his buckets within design plays and just within the natural flow of the offense. Otherwise, he. I mean, you know, he has a significantly good team around him offensively. So I think you could definitely argue in each one. You're probably right. Come the end of the year, that Luca Garza will be more in the mix. But I can't sleep on my guy Io at all because he is balling.
0: And I don't doubt that Io is a great player because Io has proven to be a great player. I mean, he's put up great performances against Duke, like you mentioned, in Missouri but luka garza i feel like he has much more of an effect on his team considering that the offense really runs around him i do feel like io i feel like his draft i feel like his draft stock is going to improve after this season jalen you mentioned that he was a late first round early second round pick i feel like by the end of the season io dusumu could be a guy that we could be talking about as a lottery pick so I feel like that's, that's definitely something to watch out for, and I think Io could have a great season. I, still, I feel like he's still going to be in the mix, and so will Luca Garza. This is going to be a tough toss-up to see who wins National Player of the Year. Moving on to the next section, in the Big 12, Baylor's Jared Butler versus Oklahoma State's Cade Cunningham. Jalen, who do you select, Butler or Cunningham?
1: So, man, this one's dicey because Baylor is in the mix for, you know, an NCAA title this year while Cade isn't even going to be able to sniff the tournament. And it's not even because of anything that's his own fault because his team is playing well. But due to certain allegations that got them basically suspended from this year's postseason, they're not going to be able to really do anything past the big 12 tournament. So, uh, that's where things get a little dicey. But at the end of the day, I'm not letting my bias of Kate Cunningham potentially being a first overall pick mess me up on this one. So what I'm going to say is that I believe this is going to be a situation where if you had to pick somebody, I think it's Jared Butler. Now, Cade Cunningham, 19 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 45% from the field, 31% from from three. All excellent statistics. And I think that, you know, Jared Butler being in a position where it's 15 points per game, three rebounds, 5.5 assists, 47% from the field, 42% from three. I think that Jared Butler's overall game right now looking a bit better, especially with him shooting well from three, and the fact that Jared Butler simply is on the better team looking down the stretch, I think that that's going to play in his favor. Now, I will admit that the only competition they've really had this year is Oklahoma, Iowa State. In Illinois earlier on in the season, so this is a little bit questionable when you're trying to compare the two because Cade's played West Virginia, ranked 14th, Texas Tech, who they beat, ranked 13th, Texas, who's ranked 11. I mean and those were all in those were all three back to back to back years i mean uh back to back uh games i was going to say weeks but honestly they're actually closer than than they look 3 point loss to texas 5 point loss to texas tech 3 point loss to west virginia these are close losses too so i think history will lean on the side of Cade Cunningham. But I think especially with Baylor being a better team and Jared Butler being the primary catalyst of that, I think that voters are going to lean more in his favor.
0: Yeah, and I agree because I feel like with a guy like Jared Butler being on Baylor with the national title hopes that they have, I feel like it, it will lean toward Butler and I do kind of feel like with, with Jerry Butler, he's on a team in Baylor where they could make a lot of noise in the Big 12. And I feel like as, as Oklahoma State progresses and as Oklahoma State gets more wins, I feel like it could lean in the favor of Cade Cunningham. And I actually believe Cade Cunningham could be a contender for National Player of the Year. Like you mentioned, he's averaging close to 19 points a game, close to six rebounds, close to four assists, just over a steal a game, and close to a block a game. Cunningham has produced for this offense as he leads the team in scoring and assists. And he's essentially become the focal point of this offense. He's a versatile player on both sides of the floor. He attacks the basket. He's able to create his own shots. He's not afraid to draw contact. And Jalen, like you mentioned earlier, we were wondering how he would perform in these rivalry games. And he scored 25 points in two close losses to ranked teams in Texas and West Virginia. And I feel like with the offensive scoring load on him, I think he's going to have to put up these type of performances in other rivalry games to maintain his contendership for National Player of the Year because, like you mentioned, Oklahoma State's not going to be involved in the tournament in March. But I feel like his only chance he really has in terms of team effort is how he performs in these rivalry games and how he performs in the Big 12 championship tournament.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think, and I'm glad that's where you ended it off when it comes to them. I think that the Big Ten tournament or the Big 12 tournament is going to tell us a lot about this race in particular between these two guys. I think that where they finish is going to be the defining factor in terms of Who is more in the conversation? And I think that although Jared Butler may have the better quote-unquote resume as being a part of the undefeated team, I think that Cade has already played relatively well in conference play, which Jared Butler hasn't really engaged in just yet. I mean, Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma and um, Iowa State are really their first cracks at it. But like I said, Cade has had three back-to-back games all against top 15 opponents that all just so happened to also be conference opponents. And they were able to steal a win in overtime against Texas Tech in the middle of that. So they were at least able to get one win out of the three-game stretch. So I think the way that things close out is going to be really important.
0: So moving on now to our sophomore breakdown. So Jalen... We're looking at Jeremiah Robinson Earl of Villanova and Trace Jackson Paris of Indiana. So, Jalen, who do you choose, Robinson Earl or Jackson Paris?
1: So, I think that I have to go with Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I know he's not averaging the same kind of statistics as a guy like Tracy is, but I think it's important that, like, He's played relatively well in very good spots. Now, he's had a couple of spurts here and there where I would say he wasn't the the best offensive player on the court, but I would say that there's a lot of instances as well where he's significantly balled out. He's averaging 16.2 points per game, 7.6 rebounds, and two assists for a team that only has one loss. They've beaten Texas and Arizona State this year, which are big wins considering where those teams are going to be in the mix come come March Madness time, or at least just the NCAA tournament in general. Um, And in those two games specifically, he had 19 points against Texas um, with eight rebounds. And in the game against Arizona State earlier on in the season, that was one of his like breakout games where he had 28 and eight. So this is a guy who against prime competition has played relatively well. He also has just been, relatively consistent he's only had two games this year that were single digit outputs other than that he's had at least 13 or more points in each of his games including a 25 point game 18 point game and a 19 point game uh, or two 18 point games and a 19 point game on the season on top of the 28 one on um, 28 points against Arizona State that I mentioned earlier so I think that it's just one of those things with Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and I think this will be conducive of where the Wildcats finish. But I just think that in the Big Ten, where you can easily get out, like outmatched and overshadowed by guys like Luca Garza and Ayodele Suma, like we talked about earlier. I think Tracy Jackson Davis isn't even really in the conversation within his own conference for the for for a guy who would be up for national player of the year, despite the statistics that he's averaging right now.
0: And I also agree with Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He leads the team in scoring and rebounds. He's shooting 54.5% from the field. He's been shooting the ball efficiently in many of his games. Jalen, one thing that you forgot to mention was that he shot over 60% from the field in five of the games that he's played this season. He has a high IQ, he's a great post scorer, and I think it helps that he's on a Villanova team that is making their case to be championship favorites favorites right now.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Tracy is just like if we had to play devil's advocate for the situation, it's just the fact that, I mean, if you look at him statistically, he has definitely had way better outputs than Robinson Earl in terms of what his quote-unquote worst game to best game ratio would be. Robinson Earl's highest point total was 28 to uh, Tracy's highest being 25 or being actually 31 was the one against Stanford earlier on in the season. Tracy's lowest output was 11 points, while Germ- Jeremiah Robinson Earl's lowest output was as much as two points in a singular game. So he's at a lot of upside. We can also say that Indiana has also played a lot more games than Villanova, not by much, but significantly enough to be able to show a little bit more um, consistency. And he's had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games of 20-plus. I mean, that's that's definitely something that leans more in his favor. I just feel as though Indiana is not even in the national spotlight enough within their own conference to really push Tracy um, above and beyond a guy like Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And I think the other thing is that his offensive output that he's putting together right now, although it's very interesting, and I think that it's something that is going to make him a a fringe second round pick potentially in the upcoming draft, if he were to, you know, declare, I also think that Indiana has put him in a position to simply be this offensive player. And I think that Jeremiah Robinson Earl does it more within the flow of an offense, as opposed to a guy in Tracy Jackson, who kind of is being given the keys to the castle in this situation with Indiana kind of needing a go-to guy down low to score and just to handle the ball to a certain extent as well. And I think that's just basically what Tracy's been doing.
0: Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why I chose Jeremiah Robinson Earl, because the team around him, is garnering that national spotlight where I feel like it will lean to his favor. I think with Trace Jackson, Paris, he's a phenomenal player, but the team he is on is not garnering the same national attention that a team like Villanova is. And I feel like they're not a spotlight team in the conference. I know I mentioned that they would be one of the top teams to, to compete in the big 10, but I feel like, With other teams like Michigan and Michigan State and Northwestern and Illinois and Iowa, it's going to be a challenge for Indiana to gain some ground in the Big Ten. Moving on to our last race for the National Player of the Year. It involves three players from Gonzaga. Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, and Corey Kispert. Jalen, these are three phenomenal players. So who do you select? Do you select Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, or Corey Kisberg?
1: So I got to go with Corey Kisberg here. This is my thing with this team. It's just like the fact that there's even three guys from the same roster that are actually in this conversation is ridiculous. And it literally goes to show you how great of a team that Gonzaga is in terms of just being put together in a way where coming into this year, they were going to be a really interesting roster that was going to be probably discussed as still being a top their conference, but led by a guy in Jalen Suggs at Point guard. The question was going to be whether or not the coach was going to give the keys to him, and honestly it was it was one of those things that I felt like people slept on what Jalen Suggs was coming out of Minnehaha in terms of being a shot creator. And a distributor for his team, but I'm going with Corey Kispert because of the fact that technically he is actually playing the best on his team from a statistical standpoint. Twenty-one points per twenty-one point seven 21.7 points per game leads the team. Four point four rebounds, two point two assists, sixty-two point six percent from the floor, fifty percent from three, along with eighty-six point. Uh, 5% from the free throw line. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, Lord, talk about the model of efficiency. I mean, we talk about 50, 40, 90 guys all the time as being something that's just like an historical feat. And he's on the pace to be a 60, 50, 90, like by the end of the year, like that is scary. Scary efficiency, and he's doing it as essentially playing a different role for Gonzaga than what you would typically see in a guy like Corey Kispert, who has the kind of offensive skill sets that he has. He's kind of essentially playing as the three and D wing for this team, which is going to project really well for him come draft time because he's going to be in a position where he's already kind of used to the role, but used to doing it at a significantly high level. So he might not play defense to the extent of like a Danny Green in his prime or a Robert Covington, but he plays relatively solid defense and scores at a really efficient rate at 6'7", 220 pounds. So I think that Corey Kispert is the guy who's kind of the – I wouldn't say he's the engine that makes this team go, but he's the model of consistency that keeps this team on the right track.
0: As much as I want to lean with Corey Kispert, I have to say Drew Timmy. He's averaging close to 18 points a game, close to seven rebounds, and shoots nearly 60% from the field. Jalen, I understand that he's not the electrifying player that Jalen Suggs is, and he's not the bucket getter that Corey Kispert is. But Drew Timmy is the most reliable scorer on this team. He scored in the double digits in every game, except for the game against Dixie State where he only scored nine points. And Jalen, much like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he has shot 60% from the field this season five times. He's a guy who is capable of leading Gonzaga's offense when he's on the floor, and he can draw fouls. And Drew Timmy helps the offense exceed its full potential also when he's on the floor. And I feel like the only thing that's holding him back from winning this award are Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert.
1: Yeah, I think that's the interesting part about it. These guys, the reason why we grouped them together like this in terms of the whole versus thing was just simply because they all are kind of getting in each other's way. You could argue that these top three could end up being part of the final four when it's all said and done, but it just seems like when you look at it prospectively, they're also all going to kind of be in each other's way as potentially being selected as that player of the year come that time. I'll say this, though. Outside of Jalen Suggs being a guy who's being argued as a top three pick in the NBA draft this upcoming year from his play, I think you can go ahead and kind of look at the tape and look at his production and also point to that as a way of saying that he is definitely in the mix for the Player of the Year as well. Now he's had a significant amount of single-digit games. I think three single-digit games is kind of a bit much when you're talking about the uh Player of the Year. But 27 points against number three-ranked Iowa in an 11-point game, um, an 11-point win. I think that's 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 solid. I think 24 points in a 102 to 90 win to start off the year to kick things off against Kansas. Definitely a great way to kick things off, But at the same time, four points against number uh, 11 ranked West Virginia. er, not, not that great. And then you have eight points against number 16 ranked Virginia. So he's kind of split down the middle when it comes to ranked opponents, and it kind of gets glossed over by the fact that they beat Virginia by 23. and they beat West Virginia by five points. So it gets smoothed over by their team's success. So I think that Jalen Suggs is a guy who's in the mix. Definitely, definitely in the mix. And during the actual uh, conference tournament, I think he'll have a little bit more chance and more of a chance to build up his resume a bit. But I have to agree with you that I think the other two Gonzaga guys are more in play for this award just with what they've done so far this season. Before we transition
0: to our question of the day, our top four players, I'll list mine off first. My top four were Luca Garza, Kay Cunningham, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Drew Timmy.
1: And mine were Ayodisumu, Jared Butler, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Corey Kisper.
0: So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who you believe will become the national player of the year? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get our podcast. We'll see you guys next episode.
1: Peace.